Shalom and welcome to Think Jewish, where we join together to explore divine keys for a better life. This week's Torah portion speaks of the first Jewish building campaign in our history. The Jewish people were to build for God a tabernacle in the desert, which would eventually cross the Jordan River with Joshua and the Jewish people. And from there, it would evolve in stages until King David would choose Jerusalem for our capital. And in Jerusalem, King David would choose Mount Moriah to become Temple Mount. King David made all the preparations for it to happen. And King Solomon, son and successor of King David, brought his father's dream to reality and built the Holy Temple in Jerusalem upon Mount Moriah upon which it has been established for eternity as the only chosen holy place for the Holy Temple. Once the Holy Temple was built with all new vessels, all the vessels that were built by Moses and the Jewish people in the desert were hidden and remain so until this very day. Thus our sages rule, all the works of Moses are eternal, for they were never destroyed, nor were they taken from the Jewish people into exile as spoils of war. The building of the tabernacle began with a building campaign as dictated by God. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and have them take for me a terumah, which means a donation. From every person whose heart inspires him to generosity, you shall take my terumah. And this is the Turumah that you shall take from them. Our sages point out that the verses here use the word Turumah, which means donation, three times. And they explain that there were three different donations that were given. Our sages also point out that the first donation was obligatory, as the verse directs, take for me. While the second was voluntary, as the verse states, from every person whose heart inspires him to generosity. Hasidus wants to know the underlying secret to these different donations and the reason for the different standards for each of them. Additionally, we need to explore the uniqueness of the distinct wording of our verse. Take for me a donation. Why the word take? Instead of simply saying, you shall give a donation. Also, we need to explore why the word li for me. Why not simply say a donation to build a tabernacle? When we speak of a healthy, non-abusive relationship, we refer to the relationship as one of give and take. Notice that we place the give before the take for that is the true foundation of a healthy relationship. This is so for two reasons. The first reason is because to enter into a healthy relationship, we must begin with seeking what it is that I can be of use for them. In an unhealthy relationship, the question begins and most often ends with, what can this person do for me? 
I once had a long discussion with a trained professional salesperson of a time-sharing company. It all began with a trip to Orlando with my kids through a time-sharing company that just wanted in return that I spend time with one of their salespeople. A salesperson is assigned to me and the conversation begins. She sits down by the table, my kids are sitting on my lap, and I open the conversation. This is what I said. I am not capable of buying any timesharing, so maybe you can help me and make this time useful for me. Teach me salesmanship. Every person comes in here for the same reason, which is the free room that you offer and the cash you even add on towards the Disney tickets. How is your company surviving? She responds, our company is publicly traded and reports their earnings. Go check its latest report and you will see how amazingly well this company is doing. Besides, she looks at me and says, as a rabbi, why do you need salesman skills, salesmanship skills? I laughed and explained to her that in order to get people to take my intellectual property and spiritual services, I don't need any salesmanship for but to get people to give donations in order to keep the synagogue's budget balanced, for this, I need to learn super salesmanship skills. She leaned back for a moment, giving me a deep thoughtful look, leans back forward and says, okay, let me share with you the ABCs of salesmanship. And with this, the lesson began. She went on to explain the important elements of salesmanship. The first vital element is to earn the potential buyer's trust. The next element is what I want to focus on. Hear it in her own words. You need to know the needs of your potential buyer and if they need your product. I don't sell time sharing. I sell family time and you Jews need my product most because you Jewish husbands and fathers never go on family vacations. However, I know that if I get them to buy time-sharing space, then because they paid for it, they won't let it go to waste and they will take the family vacation. Now I will tell you why I decided not to sell you any time-sharing and instead grant your request to discuss salesmanship. I see how your kids are sitting on your lap with emotional contentment. You obviously take the time with your children and you don't have a serious need for my product. This is the foundation of a healthy relationship, one that is easily built on trust. I never met that sales lady again, but even as I sit here now sharing the story with you, I pray that I would be surrounded by such people, such friends. And I pray that I could be humble, honest, and selfless enough to be that type of friend to my friends. The second reason why a healthy, non-abusive relationship needs to begin with the give before the take, I learned from a conversation with a therapist. It was right after my parents separated and my mother asked of me to have a conversation with a therapist over the phone. I agreed. One rhetorical question that the ther therapist asked me remains with me forever. Who loves who more? Parents their children or children their parents? The correct answer is that parents love their children more than children love their parents because 
parents give their children more than children give their parents. And love is born within our hearts through our giving and not through our taking. Wow. I want to repeat that last line again. And love is born within our hearts through our giving and not through our taking. There is another vital point that I want to stress here. And that is that a healthy relationship can never be with just us giving. Rather, the only way to have a healthy relationship is by having the second element as well, which is the taking. When we only give in a relationship and we don't take in a relationship, then we are denying the other person to give which means that ultimately we are not allowing the other person to give birth and to keep growing and maintaining a love in their heart for us. People, contrary to what we may think or to what we were taught, to only give in a relationship and to not also take in a relationship is a very selfish behavior and not a selfless behavior. It denies us the humbleness and vulnerability that an honest and healthy relationship demands. And it denies the other person to love us equal to how much we love them. Thus, in a healthy and non-abusive relationship, we must also have a balance between the give and the take and to start with the give before the take. That's the way it is in a relationship with another human being. Kabbalah and Hasidus teach us that in a relationship with God, we cannot have the give and take. Rather, we must have the take and give. The simple reason for this is that to have a relationship with God, we must first be empowered by God to do so. In the language of the teaching, and I quote, The order of the service to God is that first there must be a, an arousal from above, which is heaven, God, in order to arouse the below, which is us, human being. This is what the scripture is saying. Hark, my beloved is knocking. Open for me. First, God has to give us. God has to first knock on our door. When it comes to a relationship with God, the entire notion of us giving God anything is an absurd concept. How can we, the finite creation of God, give to God anything? However, now that we understand that it is only through the most amazing gift from God that God first gives us the capacity to give Him, this is the foundation of the entire relationship that we have with God. Thus we understand that with God, it's not give and take, it's take and give. Now we understand the verses of the building campaign to build a tabernacle for God, which is what our relationship with God is all about, to build for God a home amongst us and within us. Hear please what the Medrash says upon our verse, and I quote, And take for me a donation, open for me, my sister, my beloved, 
How long will I be traveling without a house that my head fill with dew? Rather, make for me a sanctuary that I won't be outside. What an interesting medrash. Thus we see that the first time the verse speaks of the donation, it is God giving us the power to enter into a relationship with God. And thus God says, take instead of give. What is it that we are to take? Let's look again at the verse. Take me, the yikhu li, me, a donation. Our sages see that the first two words stand alone. And God is saying, take me, take me into your heart. Yes, God is giving. However, we must open the door and take God into our mind, heart, and life. Remember the verse the Medrash said? And God's knocking on our door and says, Open for me, my sister, my beloved. Only after that, only after we take God, is it that we are capable of being in a relationship with God in which we can have a heart inspires Him to generosity so that we can voluntarily now give to God. This concept that God is giving and our first and foremost job is to take. Let's explain. This means that the fact that God is giving does not yet mean that we are experiencing our receiving it. And therefore God commands us to take what He is giving. This concept that God is giving and our first and foremost job is to take is evident in the divine amount announcements made in this world every day. The Talmud tells us that every day a heavenly voice calls forth from Mount Sinai to inspire every Jew to study Torah. Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch, the previous Rebbe, questions this with the Talmudic ruling that God does not perform miracles in vain. Why would God perform a miracle that a divine announcement goes forth every day from Mount Sinai if we don't even hear it? Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak goes on to explain, quoting yet another Talmudic teaching concerning the revelation that happened in the story with Daniel, where all that were present trembled. The Talmud questions why the others trembled if only Daniel saw the divine revelation. The Talmud answers that even though they, the others, did not see it, their mazal, higher dimensions of their soul, saw it. However, this answer does not suffice, for the divine announcements have a purpose. The purpose is to arouse and awaken and draw in the people to Torah study. So of what avail is it that the higher dimensions of our soul hears it, if the lower dimensions, which are our conscious mind and our functioning faculties of the soul, they don't hear it? Thus Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak explains, that the higher dimension of the soul drips into the lower consciousness of the soul, which is why we have these sudden feelings of remorse 
over our distance from Torah and mitzvot and our sudden yearnings for, trans tr for tradition, spirituality, and a relationship with God. This is the higher dimension of our soul dripping into the lower consciousness of our soul. By the way, this is the reason why the Talmudic statement uses the word mazal in referring here to the higher dimensions of the soul. Most of you probably know the word mazal from mazalto, or simply mazal, which is translated as luck or good fortune. However, the word mazal can also be derived from the word nozel, which even in modern-day Hebrew means a drip, zenozel, it is dripping, it is leaking. Thus the sages are referring here to the higher dimension of the soul as mazal, for the purpose of the higher dimension of the soul hearing the daily divine announcement is only for it to be nozel, to drip into our lower conscious. The Rebbe of Blessed Memory takes this teaching one step further, explaining that the daily divine announcement in its entirety is brought into the lower conscious of the soul within the conscious mind and feeling heart. However, it is hidden there. Thus, let's look back at the verse. God commands us, take me. Take what I have already given to you. Open yourself up to me, my beloved, so that you may consciously feel what I have given to you, to your lower conscious. Reveal that which is hidden within your conscious mind and heart so that I may live within you. Become my sanctuary and my home in which I do not need to hide but can move around freely and openly. This is what God is telling us in the first Tirumah. Take, take what I have given you and is hidden within you and reveal it. Let us now translate this take and give relationship with God as it manifests itself into our daily practical service to God. To God. Take, we explained, means that God is giving it to us from above and we need to take it. This refers to Torah study in which we take the words of God into our mind. Give, we explained, means that we from below arouse ourselves and speak to God. This refers to prayer, in which we speak to God from our heart. Now we can appreciate two interesting teachings of our sages on the word terumah, the word used here for donation. One teaching defines the word terumah to mean Torah Mem. Torah and the Hebrew letter Mem, which is the numerical value of 40. This interpretation is the first Tirumah in which we take what God gives us from above. This is the Torah that was given to us in Mem, 40 days and nights. Torah Mem. Another interpretation on the word Tirumah is Tre Memea which means two of a hundred. Tre, two, 
Mimea of a hundred. This refers to the Shema Israel, Hero Israel, God is our God, God is one. And the next verse, which is, Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. When you count the Hebrew letters of these two verses, you have 49 letters. We are commanded to say the Shema twice a day, in the morning when we wake up and in the evening when we lie down. Thus we have 98 letters, 49 times 2. Now the verse tells us, Take for me a tirumah, tre mimea, two of a hundred. What is the two of a hundred that we must add on to the 98 letters in our prayers in which we give to God? Our sages tell us that one should lengthen the pronunciation of the last word of the Shema verse, which is Echad, one. The sages question, how long should one lengthen the Echad for? They answer, until one reaches the commitment of self-sacrifice for God. This commitment of self-sacrifice for God once in the morning and once at night is the Terumah, Tre Mimea, two of a hundred. This is the second Terumah, which comes from below, our giving part of our relationship with God, of which God states, from every person whose heart inspires him to generosity. Now we understand why the verse speaks of the voluntary giving, the inspired heart, for this comes after our taking the divine announcement of God's Hark my beloved is knocking open for me. Now our hearts are inspired and we can now give to God. I want to make a very important note here. I want to emphasize here the definition of self-sacrifice in its simple implication to each and every one of us in a democratic environment where no one is being forced to either betray God or to die. This practical implication of self-sacrifice is defined to us by our sages in ethics of our fathers. Make that his will should be your will so that he should make your will to be as his will. Nullify your will before his will so that he should nullify the will of others before your will. This is the concentration and meditation on the word Echad, lengthened to the point of practical commitment of self-sacrifice of our will for God's will. Let us return to the Terumah. We can now even take this a step deeper into our giving part of the relationship, our giving of Terumah. That in Torah study itself, there is a total different dimension of our Torah study as it is before our prayer commitment of self-sacrifice and the Torah study that we do after our prayer commitment of self-sacrifice to God. Only after our total surrender of any self-seeking dishonesty and selfishness, only after our total surrender of will to God can we then truly study the Torah with, tro with total transparency to God, 
focused only on God's words flowing off our tongue with no fingerprints of ego-stained personal brilliance. Now that is a total different Torah study. That is the beauty of us giving to God. Thus, let us now reread the opening verse of this lecture. I'm going to read it and insert now little words that come from everything we explore to now. The Lord spoke to Moses, Speak to the children of Israel and have them take me a terumah. This terumah, my friends, is Torah Mem, that which God gives to us, our Torah study before prayer. Let us continue with the verse. From every person whose heart inspires him to generosity. This means the tray Mimea, two of a hundred. We soften and inspire our hearts through our giving to God, our commitment of total sacrifice of our will for God's will. Let's go back to the verse. You shall take my terumah. This terumah is the Torah Mem, our Torah study, as we give it to God through our commitment of total self-sacrifice, surrender, and transparency. This is the Torah study after prayer. In closing, we have learned a lot about the importance of both the give and the take of human relationships, with the give being before the take, and yet nevertheless, the humility and vulnerability to then take. We have also learned a lot about the deeper humility that it takes to have a relationship with God, in which first and foremost we accept that we have nothing to give before we take what God gives to us freely. We need to actively take and reveal within ourselves what God is giving us, which is nothing less than the absoluteness of God's essence, God's li, me, take me, that God offers us to have a relationship with. We also learned about what our giving to God is all about, the total self-sacrifice of our will to God's will, and how this then transforms our Torah study to a higher dimension of our relationship with God. It is now an ego-free Torah study. Now we need to close the lecture with one more point of emphasis. My friends, we spoke about the realization that God has given us all that we need to give God, only that it is hidden and our job is to reveal it. This entire Teruma concept is all about building for God a holy temple, which is our present mandate to bring Mashiach and to build for God the third and final holy temple. However, we are left facing a world of chaos, war, and total absurdity. And we ask of ourselves, how can I possibly change the world and build of it a holy temple, a home for God. Hmm. 
Remember when I started the lecture? I shared with you the entire evolution of the tabernacle. Remember how I pointed out that the tabernacle of Moses and all its holy vessels were hidden, never destroyed, nor taken captive? Yes, what God has given us was never destroyed, nor was it ever taken away from us. It is right here in our physical world, but it is hidden. Deeper yet, my friends, the Moses giants, the holy and righteous people of our people, see it. And the holy untouchable Moses within each and every one of our souls sees it. To Moses on every level of Moses, the mazal of our people and the mazal of our individual souls, to Moses it is not hidden but seen. Even within our lower dimension of our soul, our conscious mind, feeling heart, and functioning faculties of our soul, the tabernacle of Moses exists. It physically exists. However, it is hidden. And all we need to do is to soften our hearts, to inspire our hearts, through twice a day meditating to the point of commitment of the self-sacrifice of our will to God's will. Then, what is given by God but hidden will be taken and revealed by us. So, one should always remember that while the early bird gets the worm, the early worm gets eaten. Therefore, always live within our higher consciousness.